Good morning. Welcome to the Montmorency Community Church. This is the time when we open God's Word and we see what it uh, has to say to us this week. Before we do that, I hope you do get, have your Bible handy because uh, if you've heard me speak before, uh, I, I tend to refer to the scriptures a lot and we'll be doing that today and I hope you have a pencil as well. There's a couple of really interesting verses uh, and words in those verses. I'd love you to either circle or underline. So if you've got your Bible and pencil, that'd be great. Now, I'd like to ask two questions this morning. The first one is, which New Testament character would you like to be? Now, don't say Jesus because excluding Jesus, take him out of the equation because that's a tough one to to be like Jesus, even though we're trying to do that. But what other New Testament character would would you like to be? Now, the disadvantage of uh, the COVID-19 is that I'm preaching to an empty church. There's only four people here. And to me, that's a real disadvantage because under normal circumstances, I'd look over there and say, Kat, who would you like to be? But she's not here. So, Kat, who would you like to be? I'm going to ask Declan. Declan, what New Testament character would you like to be? Peter. He'd like to be Peter. Well, I, I, I give, have given this a bit of thought, you see, and I would, I would like to be John, the Apostle John. You see, he was the beloved Apostle. You know, you read through the, the, uh, the, the Gospels and John is, uh, is, you know, really close to the Lord. He's in the inner sanctum, you know, with, the, the, with Peter and Andrew and, and he's rec- you read of him reclining with, on the Lord's breast and, and, and he's so, you can sort of just imagine him soaking in every single word that the Lord said, you know, and, and then, and then there's a scene at, at Calvary at the foot of the cross where, where the Lord looks down, he sees his mother there, Mary, and John, the apostle John, and he says to John, John, take this woman to be your mother into your house. So, so John got to look after the Lord's mother, Declan. Pretty good. And then, and then he wrote, he wrote some beautiful, um, verses and passages in the Gospel of John. Um, I'm, a, I'm currently sharing with a, a, another church uh, uh, the first epistle of John. It's a brilliant epistle, a brilliant letter, and uh, he's written three of those: first, uh, second, and third John. And then, and then, Declan, Revelation. You know, yeah, John was the bloke that 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 not just wrote it, he experienced that. You know, the angel took him to different places, gave him different visions. I'd love to be John. If I had a choice of the New Testament character, who I'd like to be, it would be John. Question two. Which New Testament character do I most identify with? Now, that's a different question, isn't it? That's a different question. Because I, what I'm asking is, which New Testament character do you have similar traits to, good or bad? Perhaps have had similar life experiences or stories or events. Now, if I think about that question, I'm like you, Declan. It would have to be Peter. Have to be Peter. I'd love to be John, but I'm a lot more like Peter. Because Peter was impulsive, he was brash, he, he often spoke, spoke without thinking. Uh, over the years, I've tried to uh, work on that, Declan. You know, I've really tried to work on that. Uh, he, he, he often, when you read through the Gospels, you often see Peter struggling with the program that, that the Lord has, the, the, his ministry and the things that God had given the Lord to do. Peter struggled with that. And in fact, we, we read, we actually read that on a couple of occasions, he actually rebuked the Lord, saying, oh, no, 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 you can't be doing this. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine somebody rebuking the Lord? Peter did that. And, uh, of course, we know, we know that uh, 
Peter denied the Lord, didn't he? Three times denied the Lord. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things about Peter that I can relate to. Maybe you can too. This morning I'm going to be speaking on uh, Peter, the, the man, the, the apostle, the disciple, uh, because next week we're actually starting First Peter, and uh, I've been asked to do a, a, a bit of a character study on on this man. And I reckon that if I was to think about a title for the apostle Peter, I know I know he, he's referred to as, as as the fisher of men, but I would give him the title action man because. When you, when you look at his life, that's, that's what comes across to me. The action man. You know, he's always doing things and running to places and standing up and saying things and he was an action man. It's hard to give a good character study in 30 minutes. This morning, I'm going to give you a thumbnail sketch of Peter. Now, a thumbnail sketch is a brief description of a person or account of an event. Artists use it, use a thumbnail sketches. They'll go out to find a nice scene or a beautiful sunset, a lovely piece of beach, and they'll do a, a quick sketch in colour and uh, get the main points, the main things that they, they, they need about the, the scene or the or, or the um, the the item that they're trying to, to capture in paint and that and then they take that back to the studio so they've got this little little painting and more or less it's more or less gives you the main things but there's very little detail and so this morning that's what I'm going to do I'm going to give you some main points about Peter and then in the ensuing weeks as we go through first Peter there, there probably will be more added detail now, some of the info I could give you this morning will, will, you know, and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Peter was a major character in the New Testament. Even though he didn't write very much, he was a major player, a major character, a major man in the New Testament. I could give you some very interesting things about Peter's life. I could give you some informative things and some educated things. But, you know, if I did that, if I did that this morning... I think we would miss some very important things that will be helpful to us in our everyday living. See, I'd like to look this morning at Peter's humanity, his human nature and his interaction with deity because that's what happened. Here was an ordinary man interacting with God the Son, God manifest in flesh, we have recorded to us in, in, in John's Gospel. Now, I struggle in my Christian walk, like Declan was referring to a minute ago, I struggle uh, with my interaction with deity. I really do. You know, because sometimes I forget who it is that is my Lord. Sometimes I, 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 I neglect to, to have his desires uh, as a primary focus in my heart, mind and life. And I struggle with that. And you know, I'm sure that perhaps you struggle with your interaction with deity. You know, it's, it's a big trend, isn't it, to have Jesus as my friend. And that's a fact. But we forget that Jesus is God, the Son, deity. And you know, the world... Ever since that day in the Garden of Eden, when man was created, mankind since then has struggled with their interaction with deity. Peter was an ordinary bloke. Nothing special about Peter. He didn't have a special talent. In fact, a lot of commentators say he wasn't even a very good fisherman because he was always mending his nets. And when you read of Peter on the boat, he'd caught nothing all night. And in fact, when you look through the New Testament, you discover that the only time Peter actually catches a decent uh, amount of fish is when the Lord helps him. So even as a fisherman, he was, uh, you know. He, he didn't come from a privileged position. 
He wasn't from a, a long line of important family uh, uh, heritage. He, he, in society, he was probably a very... Uh, fishing was a very lowly profession. He didn't have a high standing in society. And his education, well, I guess he never probably went to uh, the, the rabbinical schools as some of the other... Uh, people went to like Paul for example and so we have this ordinary bloke with a whole heap of flawed character traits which I can relate to I'm sure you can too and yet and yet this is the man that the the apostle Matthew wrote In, in Matthew 10 he said that Peter was first among the apostles Let's have a look at that. First among the apostles. The first glimpse that we get of Peter is in Mark chapter 1 verses 16 to 18 where the Lord calls him and he says, come and follow me. So who was this man? Who was he? And where did he come from? He was a fisherman with his brother Andrew They worked in the family business. The father, Jonas, was also a fisherman. And then we read in other places in the the New Testament that that actually Peter, uh, sorry, Peter, Andrew and and his father were actually partners with the Zebedee's uh, uh, people. You know, uh, that was John, James, uh, and they were fishermen as well. And their father was Zebedee. So I can just picture that, that, that Jonas and Zebedee were probably mates, you know, as young boys and they probably learnt their fishing craft from their father and they, they thought, you know, we can catch fish together, you know, because in those days they, they didn't have, you know, trawlers with hydraulic nets and it was all done by, by physical exertion. And so these, these, these two families decided they would, they would, become partners in, in, a, in the fishing enterprise and this is how they, they became uh, so close. His calling, it's really interesting. Uh, uh, Andrew had heard, heard the Lord preaching uh, just in the wilderness uh, for a bit and thought, this is an interesting man, he could be the Messiah. And he went and told Peter, he said, Peter, bro, there's a bloke out there in the wilderness. It could be the Messiah, come and have a look. And so Peter went and he, and he listened to this man, Jesus. And, and, he, and it was interesting. It was interesting. And after that time, we read in, in, uh, in Luke that that's when the Lord came and, and called uh, Peter and Andrew, John and James. And their response was immediate. Where did he come from? Where did he live? Well, he was a Galilean. William Barclay says about the Galilean trait. They were rough, quick-tempered, emotional, easily aroused to adventure or sedition. That's sort of an interesting description. It reminds me of, of you know, whenever you know we talk about Italians, and I'm, I'm from an, I'm, I was born in Italy, so I, I, I can say this. You know, whenever whenever we say he's a, he's a calabrese. Well, we know exactly what that means, don't we, Sam? We, we know that. Or he's Sicilian. See, down south, those two regions have very distinguished, no, not distinguished, uh, evident character traits. So when, you, when you're called a Sicilian, uh, you sort of typecast. And Peter was like that. And we'll see that in a minute in the scriptures. He was a Galilean rough and ready, emotional, easily aroused to adventure or sedition. He was a typical Galilean, let me tell you. Now, first among the apostles, it wasn't just that he was one of the first called, because the Greek word there for first is is protos. It means first in prominence, not just merely first in order. So when you read in the New Testament uh, the lists of apostles, Peter's always the first one mentioned. Because, not because he was 
special than the others, but rather the Lord had called him to be the leader of that band of men. His home was in Capernaum, which is interesting because whenever they were in that region, it was Peter's house, Peter's house, that became the the ministry headquarters for Jesus Christ. That's where they went, that's where they met. He was the group spokesman. You know, we, we read often of the disciples and then of the of the of the twelve disciples, and he was the spokesman, wasn't he? He was the one that asked the questions. Some of them were good questions, some of them were stupid, but he was the one that uh, that that stood up and asked. And as I mentioned earlier in Matthew eight, you can have a look at that. He actually rebuked the Lord when the Lord uh, told them that he was going to have to die at a cross on a cross rather at a place called Calvary and rise again Peter rebuked him he said no 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 there's no need for you to do that and then as an apostle and you know the interesting thing about Peter's life is that he has two parts there's Peter the disciple and then there's Peter the apostle now I'm not saying he wasn't a disciple when he was an apostle but there was a change a shift in Peter's life and as, and as an apostle he was a leader a strong leader, a decisive leader, a courageous leader. He introduced salvation in Christ alone and completely shift in the, the mindset and the, and, and the attitude, the religious attitude of the time. No more sacrifices for forgiveness of sin. You could have your sins forgiven by having faith in Jesus Christ. Peter was the the one that gave the very first sermon and what a sermon that is. We'll have a quick look at it in a few moments. Peter was the first apostle to perform a miracle. You can read about that in Acts chapter 3. He was the first to introduce introduce salvation to the Jews. If you thought forgiveness of sins in Christ alone was a big shift, well, this was even more mind-blowing to the people of the time. The Jews that that were classed and often called dogs uh, were going... Sorry, the Gentiles who were often called dogs by the Jews were going to be included into this privileged position of being part of the family of God. And that was Peter's job in Acts chapter 10, to bring that in, to introduce that, even though... The Apostle Paul is often referred to as the Apostle to the Gentiles. Peter defied the Sanhedrin. He refused to stop preaching Jesus Christ. And that's significant, and we're just going to expand on that in a few moments. That is a significant thing. He defied the Sanhedrin because because of that, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, and eventually, Declan, he was crucified on a cross. That's how he died. He was martyred. Now, all these are very interesting facts, are they not? But it tells us very little about the man. It tells us what he did, but about the man. And, and you could look at Peter's life like that and you, you would get a whole heap of knowledge about the foundations of the Christian faith. And that's a good thing. Please, don't get me wrong. It is a good thing to know that. But, but how, does, how does that help us? in our daily life. How does Peter's life help us today? And that's what I'd like to address now. Is it just a historical record looking at Peter's life? No, no, no. no. We, are, we are to learn, we are meant to learn life lessons from the life of Peter because, because there's a little bit of Peter in all of us. Now, if you've got your Bible... Could you turn with me to Matthew 26? I'd like to look at, at Peter's life now through three events, three events that, that happened in his life, three life lessons that Peter learned. I'd like to read from Matthew 26, verses starting at verse 31. This is a scene that, that happened... Um, where the Lord tells Peter 
that uh, this sorry it happened after the Passover scene and the Lord tells Peter something very interesting then Jesus told them this very night you will all fall away on account of me for it is written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered but after I have risen I will go ahead of you into Galilee Peter replied Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Not me. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Now what happened after that was that they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, there was a, there was a bit of prayer time, then a, a big crowd uh, of, of uh, people came along with the temple police, temple guards, and they arrested Jesus. And we read in verse 58 of the same chapter, then all of the disciples deserted him. And then we read in verse 60, and then the, the, the Lord is taken uh, before the Sanhedrin and, and uh, there's a few things uh, said and, and so on. And then we get to this scene in verse 69. Now Peter's outside, the, the Lord's in there with the Sanhedrin and the, you know, he's being questioned and, and beaten and all sorts of things. And uh, verse 69 says, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him you also were with Jesus of Galilee she said but he denied it before them all I don't know what you're talking about he said then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth he denied it again uh, with an oath I don't know the man After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent, remember he was from Galilee, your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, and then sorry, just there in Luke 22, verse 61, there's another little sentence, but I'm going to add it into this. It says that after Peter had said, I don't know the man, the Lord turned, he turned and looked straight at Peter. And then it says, immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered. Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Then he went outside and wept bitterly. Interesting passage. You know, when you read that, I guess, you know, what we think of most is the denial. You know, if you ask Peter, if you ask the people, what do you know about the Apostle Peter? I reckon this would be the, the top answer. Oh, Peter, 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 he was the one that denied the Lord, denied Jesus. But this is an interesting passage for a number of reasons. Let me, let me just tell you. The denial, it was foretold by the Lord. The Lord said to them, he told them truthfully, he told the disciples what was going to happen. He knew what their reactions would be. Now, let me let me just diverge for a moment. That that's an interesting little uh, event, isn't it? Because it says there that that he knew foreknowledge. That's what that is. He knew beforehand what was going to happen. He's God the Son. But it's really interesting. Foreknowledge didn't cause Peter to deny the Lord did it Peter did that the Lord told them this is what you're going to be doing he didn't force them to do it he didn't tell them to do it he didn't command them to do it the foreknowledge doesn't mean any of that just means that you know what's going to happen beforehand 
and he knew what their reactions would be. Why is that? Well, he's the creator. He's he's their maker. He's the one that puts in the the emotions, the the feelings, our our capacity to think, all that, all bundled up into, into these bodies. And so he knew, he knew when the pressure was going to be on, these blokes were going to desert him. And that's what happened. The Lord didn't cause that, but he knew it was going to happen. And that's really interesting when you look at the book of um, 1 Peter. And when you think about the times that we live in today, people say, oh, why, 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 why does God allow this to happen? No, he didn't cause the virus to happen. He didn't, he didn't make it happen. But he knew it was going to happen, Declan. He knew. He knew. Foreknowledge. And then we come to the boast. I'm just wondering, Andrew, if I could have the, the next slide. Yeah, sorry. And then there's the boast. And he said, even if all, all the other disciples, even if they all, deny you or forsake you I won't do it verse 33 I'm not going to be the one and even if I have to die with you now that's probably the ultimate sacrifice isn't it the ultimate sacrifice to to pay you know during this time of of coronavirus there have been some very very generous people giving huge amounts of money to help with uh, finding a vaccine, uh, a vaccine for the virus, and and as as huge an amount of money it is, and, and a huge generosity displayed, I don't think they would have given their lives. They won't. And it's the same with the, with the tragedy that happened uh, during the week uh, with the uh, the four police officers that were killed. Huge outpour of generosity and desire to help. But I don't think there'd be very many people willing to, 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 to give their life in order to help those people. But here Peter says, even if I have to die, even if I have to pay the ultimate sacrifice, I will never disown you, is what Peter said. He's very bold, isn't he? There's a few other words you could use as well, but, you know. Hmm. What's the application there for you and me this morning? I want to ask you another question. I'd ask Kat if she was here, but she's not. So I'm going to ask all of you. Have you ever denied the Lord? Have you? We probably haven't done it the way in such a... a Open and, and in such an obvious way that Peter had done. But there are subtle ways, subtle ways that we can, we can deny the Lord. Not standing up when needed as a Christian in our daily walk, Declan, as you mentioned. When we see an injustice, when there's a moral issue that's been discussed in the staff room, when there is compassion to be displayed and acted acted out to people in in need, do we stand up and say, as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to be doing this? When When we don't speak the truth, we're denying Christ. We're silent sometimes, aren't we? When we hear the discussion, when something is said, a statement is made, and we don't, we don't say anything when we should, especially when the Spirit prompts and we don't say anything. That's denying Christ. And worse still, when we go along with the crowd, when we know we shouldn't. And then when we're not admitting to being a follower of Jesus, it's really interesting when you look and you observe, as you get older, and in my case much older, you start to see things uh, for what they really are. It's really interesting. You know, all these people standing up saying, I'm a vegan. 
I'm a vegan. I'm a greenie. You know, I want to save the environment. I'm a feminist. I, I want I want all women to be to be the same and and the same as men. And and, and then there are people that are that are pro-abortion and and happy and proud to to display that. And then there are there. Are, I've got to, the one thing I admire about Muslims is that they're right out there. I'm a Muslim. They're happy to tell anybody. And in fact, they do it regularly. The one thing I love about our Prime Minister, he doesn't shy away from telling people or when he's asked, he always says, yes, so I'm a Christian. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't shy away from it. I love that about him, I really do. I'm ashamed to admit, brothers and sisters, that, that sometimes, like Peter, I too have denied the Lord in, in the ways that I've mentioned, in some of the ways that I've mentioned. Now, there's been times when I, I didn't stand up when I should have. I didn't stand firm. Sometimes I, I didn't speak the truth. Not that I lied, more the case of I was silent. Some of you would probably find that hard to believe because I'm not doing that as often now, Declan. Yeah, I'm not. And sometimes... I have failed to admit that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because I know it's not going to be popular. I'm going to get heckled. So I, I have denied the Lord in those ways. Maybe you have too. There's a verse, the verse that I read in Luke 22, verse 61. This verse haunts me. It really does. It says there that, that when, the, when, when um, Peter denied the Lord, it said, then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. That verse haunts me, it really does. Have you ever wondered what sort of look that was? Have you ever wondered about that? You know, when you read the scriptures, do we just read it because we have to read five verses or a chapter? Or do you actually read and stop and think at, at what's happening, what's being said? What, what the message may be that the Spirit's trying to get across to us? Because, because for a, for quite a long time, I thought that that look was the look that you get when you do something wrong. Like you know the look, you know the look the parents give. Huh? My mum didn't really have the look, but my dad, he had the look. If I did something wrong, if I was too noisy, or you know, especially if we were out in public, he would give me this look, and I knew I, I was I was in for it when I got home. And I often thought that was the look that the Lord gave to Peter. You know, he just gave him this look as if to say, man, you're in big trouble. Then there's the other look, isn't there? Where, you know, the I told you so look like him. I don't think it was that look either. What sort of look was it? I think when the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, it was a look of hurt. A look of hurt. You see, the Lord, he was human, just like us. It says that in the scripture. Even though he was deity, he was just like us. Felt everything that we can feel. Need, had the needs, human needs that we had. And you know, when he heard Peter say that, and he, brothers and sisters, we, we, we've already said it, he knew he was going to say it, but it must have hurt. It must have hurt Declan to hear that. And I think that was the look. And why do I say that? Because in verse 75 of the passage that we read, it says that when Peter saw the look, when, he, when, he, when, he, when his eyes met the Lord's eyes, it says he went out and he wept bitterly. It wasn't of, oh well, it wasn't that, was it? That was Easter Thursday, if you want to sort of get into a bit of a chronological context. That's Easter Thursday in the evening. The next morning was Good Friday. We don't read of Peter being at the crucifixion. John was there, but not Peter. 
We don't read of Peter helping helping take down the Lord's body from the cross. That was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. In Mark, we read of of the women going down to the tomb. And it's interesting because people think that people attribute the gospel of Mark to Peter in the sense that, yes, Mark wrote it, but Peter told him of the events. And when you read the, the way it, it reads, you, 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 could, you, could, you could believe that. But in Mark 16, those women were going down to the, to, to the, to the tomb and they were talking about and uh, wondering who's going to roll away the stone. You see, Peter wasn't there either. You know, Peter was a big bloke, you know, big, strong fisherman pulling in, the, pulling in those nets. He didn't go with the women to help them prepare the Lord's body for burial. They all knew that there was a stone there, big stone. And when, and when, when, when the women went down there, it was really interesting there were angels, weren't there? And they, and they thought, where is the Lord? And the angel said, he's not here, he is risen. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that and we love that at Easter time. But listen to what the angel said in Mark. He says, they said, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Now that's interesting, don't you think? Mark that in your Bible. That's interesting. You see, there was a strained relationship, wasn't there? A really strained relationship there between the Lord and Peter. Which brings us to the next point, the restoration. The second significant event in Peter's life. You see, there had been no significant individual contact between Peter and the Lord since the look, since the denial. There hadn't been. Yes, there was the upper room scene, of course. The, Peter would have been there. I mean, it doesn't, his name wasn't mentioned and there was no personal interaction or individual interaction between him and the Lord in the upper room. The third time the disciples saw the Lord after he was risen was here in uh, John chapter 21, if you wouldn't mind turning to that now. And the scene is well-known scene. You know, the Lord, the Lord again is walking along this, the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he looks out there and there is Peter and John and them. They're all out there fishing. And the Lord calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? You know, again, these fishermen have caught nothing. And he tells them, throw the nets on the other side of the boat. And they catch this huge amount of, of fish. And they said, it's the Lord. They recognised him. And so they, 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 they come and they, they light a fire and they cook a few fish and they have a, a, a breakfast meeting there at the Sea of Galilee. It says, after, after, when they had, verse 15 of chapter 21, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him again, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says there, Peter was hurt. I think there's a correlation there with the the look, don't you think? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead, and lead you to where you have to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Three denials. Here we have three acknowledgements that Peter loved the Lord. No coincidence, no coincidence. But what happened between the look and this breakfast meeting here at the the, uh, Sea of Galilee? What happened? I don't know. There's no record of what Peter actually did. But I can tell you this, from what I've just read, Peter had done some serious thinking, deep, serious thinking. How do I know this? Have a look at verse 17. This is what Peter says. He says, uh, Peter was hurt and he says, he said, Lord, you know all things. You see, if you look at the life of Peter in the Gospels, he was never convinced of that before. Yeah, he was, he was special. Yes, he could do miracles. But did he really know all things? Because three days previous, three days previous, when the Lord told him what he knew, Peter didn't believe it, did he? Not I. I'm not going to disown you. Everyone else, but not me. But here he says, you know all things. And he and he he didn't challenge the Lord. Said maybe the old Peter would have challenged him and said, Look into my heart, Lord, and see whether I love you or not. That's not how he phrases it here, is it? Because his attitude has changed. His appreciation of Jesus has changed. He's no longer just Jesus, the Master. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's Peter's Lord. And he says, You know all things. You know that I love you. I love, please underline that. That's really important. And again, this is a very well known scene, and sometimes we miss some of the other details that are in there. What's the application for you and me this morning? You see, the Lord knew Peter's heart, He knew his character, his strengths and weaknesses when He called him way back in Mark chapter 1. You see, the Lord knew. He knew. He knew what Peter was like. He knew what he was going to do. He knew his, his, uh, his flaws. He knew it was going to cause a few issues. He knew all that. He, he knew that. He knows all things. He knows all things about you and me. But you know what? The Lord used him anyway. I love that. I love that. Because he's using me and he's using you. In spite of us in spite of our failings failings and frailties. But what we learn from here is that that God forgives, yes, but he doesn't overlook, does he? Here he brings Peter to that relationship, what's the word, hiccup, barrier, standoff, I don't know what the right word really is, But that's where the problem was, wasn't it? The denials, the hurt, the look, the hurt. And so the Lord takes him back there and says, Peter, do you love me? You see, God does never overlook sin. Forgives it? Absolutely, Declan. Remembers it no more. Praise his name for that. But he can't overlook it. And here we have a scene where, where Peter repents. He repents and he says, you know that I love you. And uh, he acknowledges his, his, his mistakes, his sin, and he's forgiven and restored. How do I know he's restored? Because we come to the third significant event in Acts chapter 2. And because of time, I'm not going to read the, the passage, but Acts chapter 2, 14 to 41. This is seven weeks after, or roughly seven weeks, after the, um, the beach, the, the Sea of Galilee scene, the breakfast scene. Seven weeks after that. And what's happened? 
we have we have a conviction in Peter's life. He no longer has the same opinion of Jesus that he had in Mark chapter 1. We read together in, in Matthew there of Peter saying to a servant girl, he went from a man who couldn't even acknowledge that he was a follower of Jesus to a servant girl. He says, I don't know the man to standing before all who lived in Jerusalem. Because this is the scene of that first sermon that I mentioned earlier. He stands before all of Jerusalem and he makes a declaration. This is what it says. Have a look at it for yourself. In verse 36 of chapter 2, he says, Therefore, let all of Israel... All of Israel, be assured of this, God has made this man who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's a bold statement. Have a look at the the, the full sermon when you have some time later on today. It's a wonderful sermon. But for, for Peter, the fisherman, to stand up, seven weeks after he didn't know the man, I don't know this man and say what he said to all of Israel because that's the charge that he lays at their feet, all of Israel what a declaration, what a transformation in this man's life and it wasn't just that he had received the Holy Spirit he had confidence in this man Jesus. And it's really interesting. I, lo- I love the way scripture just, just dovetails into itself and, and, and there, is, there is never any contradiction in the word of God. Never. Have a listen to this. Israel had denied Christ just like Peter did. Except they were fair income. They really didn't want anything to do. I think Peter was just trying not to get himself into any trouble. And they denied Christ and they denied the Messiah and they knew, they knew they'd made a mistake. They did the wrong thing. And they say to Peter, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and receive forgiveness. He learnt that himself from personal experience and that's what he passes on. He knew from personal experience that there is forgiveness with repentance and there is forgiveness only through Jesus Christ the Son of God so now time's up as we launch into 1 Peter next week we, this morning we've just got a little glimpse you know a thumbnail sketch a little glimpse into the character of Peter and I hope that as we that yeah, no that's fine I'm happy that Oh yes, sorry, yes, sorry, yes, sorry. Had to change the slide. Uh, I hope that that as we've looked at this character of the character of Peter, that we will be able to appreciate some of the things that he says in First Peter, because because he has learnt things from personal experience, his personal interaction with deity. Remember that? That's how he started off. We struggle with that, don't we? We do, even today. But Peter had confidence. He had confidence. He'd learned that, Lord, you know all things. That's a great... When, when we accept that and understand it, it doesn't matter that we're being persecuted. It doesn't matter that you're being beaten. It doesn't matter that you're imprisoned. The Lord knows what's going on. And we can take confidence, just like Peter had confidence, in this time of coronavirus, times when you know your, your job is insecure, maybe you have no income coming in at all. Yeah? We can take confidence that the Lord, he knows about this. It's in his hands. And then he has a hope. He has a hope. His hope is in the cornerstone. And we, you're going to, we're going to be learning about that in a few weeks. So I'm not going to say very much because it's someone else's responsibility to do that. But the cornerstone is what our, our hope and our faith and our, and our assurance is based on. And Peter's hope is, uh, cornerstone is God the Son. 
Not a man, not a religious leader, but God the Son. And then, then there's Peter's task. Peter's task is, is living for God. In chapter 4 of 1 Peter, it talks about, he, he encourages us to continue to become Christ-like, to, to becoming Christ-like. And this Christ-likeness that we've been looking at, Peter reinforces that that's what we need, that's our task. And part of that, and this is what Peter's going to show us as well, is that we need to desire the will of God. We need to want the will of God, not just in our lives, in our families, in our homes, but in, in our place of employment, in our, in our city or, or suburb of Montmorency, in our city of Melbourne, in our country of Australia. We must desire the will of God in all these areas. And Peter speaks to us in First Peter of trials and tests and he, and he likens it to a refining of our faith. It's going to be a great study. I would encourage you to start reading First Peter this week. Uh, read it through. It won't take you long to do it, but read it through a number of times if you can. And, and, and remember as you're reading that most of what, if not all that Peter has learned is from personal experience. Personal experience with his interaction with deity. Uh, I, 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 I can't say any more. So I hope you've, you, you've learned something and enjoyed looking at Peter's character. I told you it's just a, a little thumbnail, Scott. There's lots, lots more to, to dig into, a lot more details uh, you can find out. You can do that yourself. Read through the uh, the four Gospels and at least the first uh, 13 chapters or so of the book of Acts. He's a prominent man. He really is a man of action. I'm going to close in prayer. Before I do that, if you're struggling in any way, spiritually, uh, physically, materially, let, let, let us know. Let the leadership here at the church know. You can ring, you can, you can drop us an email, um, go to the website, uh, and there's, there's all the contact details are there. I'd encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to look into your word. And Father, what a, what a treasure chest of precious things that we find in there. We've looked at Peter's life and we've looked at some of these really well-known events and we have found other things there this morning, Father, that really have encouraged us, have shown to us just what a wonderful saviour we have, how powerful he is and how intimately he knows us. And Father, I thank you that uh, it's not just Peter. He feels like that about all of us every single one of us. And Father, he loves us in spite of us. He wants to use us in spite of our, 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 our weaknesses and, and the things that we put in as barriers to, to glorify your name. Father, you, you, you persevere with us. I, I love the fact that you are long-suffering. I thank you for being patient with me and with us here at Montmorency. Help us to do your will in this place. Help us, Father, to uh, not be worried and be anxious about what's happening roundabout, but, Father, to look at our cornerstone, look at the foundation on what we have placed our faith on, in and who it is that we call Lord. And, Father, I pray that these things would encourage us, give us confidence, and have the, when we would have the same hope that uh, we read about today that Peter had in his Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Saviour and our Lord. We ask all these things, giving thanks in his name. Amen. Thank you.